My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Miss Z's Storytelling. Today, I will be reading The Destruction of Faith, written by yours truly, Queen Zoya Counts, and I will be starting from chapter 13, Freedom. When I got home, I kicked off my shoes and threw my bag on the floor. I don't know what happened because I had blacked out. But whatever happened, Stacy, she deserved it. She had made it out to be like she was all so innocent and I was the attacker. I walked over to my small cabinet and removed the black candle and lit it. I placed it on a small table by the front door. And as I lit the candle, I bowed my head and began to speak to the goddess. I asked that Mommy Water would close down the club and destroy everyone for not believing me. I felt a coldness envelop me, and then I heard the hissing sound of a snake. I glanced around the room, and I thought I saw the intel of a black snake slither behind my door. I looked behind the door, and there was nothing there. My mind had been playing tricks on me. I went upstairs and removed all my clothes and fell on my queen-size mattress, grabbed my army green blanket, pulled it over my head, and then I heard a soft knock at my door. The only person who would come over here to help me would be Betty. I got up and walked downstairs to answer the door. I didn't even bother to put on something, but when I opened up the door, guess who was standing there? Freedom. What do you want? And how do you know where I live? I followed you because I wanted to make sure that you were okay. He was smiling ear from ear, and I was naked, and I didn't care because I thought it was Betty. Yes and no. And I noticed that he could not keep his eyes off my body. I was sticking all the right places and he could not take his eyes off of me. Uh, can you please put on some clothes? Does my nakedness make you feel uncomfortable? A little. I didn't come by here for that, but to see if you were okay and to see you. <laughs> I'm home. You're the uninvited guest, but I'm making you feel uncomfortable. Just give me a second while I grab a t-shirt. I ran upstairs, and then I stopped and turned around, and I looked at him and said, close the door behind you. I ran back upstairs to my bedroom and grabbed an oversized t-shirt and slipped it on. When I came back downstairs, I went into the living room, and Freedom had made himself comfortable on one of the pillows. He was sitting beside my altar, which I had made. Uh, excuse me, can you please not sit close to that? My apologies. My mother used to have an altar in her house for our ancestors. Is this your ancestral altar? I sat down beside him. Well, I guess it is. I had never created one before, but this is the one that I'm attempting to do. And I heard voices whispering at me when I did it, and it freaked me out. I looked at him. I was glad that he had come over here. I knew that the tingling that I was feeling was her trying to come out. But why was I always tingling for no apparent reason? But I knew that I had to keep her at bay because Freedom had not done anything mean to me yet. And Bella, she needed to calm her ass down. I reached for the sage to cleanse the house and then I hesitated. What's wrong? He was just staring at me too hard. Nothing. I was going to cleanse the house with sage, but I decided not to. I'm just, I'm just tired. Well, 
She knows that I have good energy and I am staying. She? What you mean by she? Freedom started playing with the bracelet that he was wearing on his left wrist. I thought you had a feminine spirit in here. Not me. I wonder where he picked up that from or was he picking up on Bella who was living inside of me the tingling sensation had stopped and I asked if she was feeling good vibes about him now I blushed <laughs> she was this is the second time that I have made you blush he smiled yep and you are the first one to do so so do you want me to leave now that I know you are okay you get straight to the point don't you well, I know that you do not have a lot of people to come over here, so I don't want to wear out my welcome. And how do you know that? You seem to know a lot about nothing but everything. I watched him fidget around his bracelet again. What was up with that bracelet? Mental note to ask him about that later. No, please stay. I hope that I didn't sound like a jerk. May I remove my clothes and get comfortable with you? You asking me? Or you telling me? I am asking your spirit guides who I see moving around in here. Wait, what? Faith, you think that you're the only one who can see spirits? I see them all the time. No, but, but what? I knew from the first time that I saw you that you were the one that they had sent me here for. Sent you here for? What do you mean by that? Faith. He stood up and began taking off his clothes. Well, I come from up north, and they told me as I was traveling down south that I would meet this woman who was going to complete me. She would possess a special talent, but she would be my person to help. Look, Freedom, I don't know if I'm that girl, but I do know I want you to stay. And that was because I could not keep my eyes off of his chest when he removed that shirt. His body was so smooth like water. And it was like he possessed such masculinity. I could not keep my eyes off of him. He didn't have any hair, no bodily hair, except what, what was on his head. And I was becoming excited watching him remove his pants. He was not wearing any boxers. And when I say he was hung, oh my. God, I took off my t-shirt and I got naked with him. Let's all just get naked. You know, it's a pleasure to see a woman that is very comfortable in her nakedness. Most sisters that I come across are often complaining about their bodies or are ashamed of their curves. He leaned back against the pillow. I glanced down at his private part. He was not erect, but damn, it was so big. I wonder what it looked like erect. <laughs> I love all my curves, even my pot belly and the scar below it. Freedom sat up and looked at my scar and touched my stomach. Did it hurt? He sounded like he was concerned. A little. I was pregnant and I lost my son. I did not lose him, but I was younger and my mother took me to this lady to get an abortion. She didn't do it right and I began experiencing complications. My mother took me to the hospital and once I got there, the damage had been done. They had to remove my right tube and ovary. And I still got my left side going on. But for some reason, I always thought that the baby that I would have had would have been a boy. Good. That means you can still conceive. Freedom sound like he was, you know, checking me out and kind of happy that I could still have a baby. 
I was beginning to feel uncomfortable talking about that experience, so I changed the subject. Hey, I stood up. I got some mushrooms in my kitchen. Do you want to eat some with me? Mm, I never had mushrooms nor any kind of psychedelic drugs. I only smoke weed, and that is not a psychedelic drug to me. You know what? Why the hell not? I went into the kitchen, opened up my door, and as I began moving my spices around to get to the plastic bag which housed the mushrooms, I felt Freedom's presence enter the kitchen. I smiled. I could sense him watching my ass, and I began jiggling a little bit. I felt him move closer to me, and I could feel his cool breath on the back of my neck. His manhood was barely touching my ass, but I knew I was turning him on. His scent was driving me crazy. He was getting this tonight. But when I turned around to face him, there was no one standing there. What the hell? Chapter 14, morning after. I woke up feeling very relaxed and incredibly pleased. I had fallen asleep beside Freedom on the floor. Stacy was no longer occupying the space in my head, but my mother's words were still lingering there. I stared up at the ceiling, watching the ceiling fan spin around. I knew that it was four blades, but I thought I saw eight. I must still be high. I had eaten about five mushrooms, enough to give me a give me a strong buzz, but enough just for a short trip. Freedom had never eaten them before, so I knew that I had to be the trip watcher with him. I needed to make sure that he would not freak out on me, but to my surprise, he had handled his trip very well. It was kind of funny because he kept talking about being a god from the water and that he swam with the fish all the time. He had even broken down like a baby and cried in my lap. He told me he had seen spirits from the Congo. I had never heard of anyone taking a trip like he was having and those slave spirits that he had seen was making him cry. Of course, I did not believe anything that he was saying. You know, I was just listening to him while he rattled on and on and on. He told me that there was a great spider crawling on the ceiling, which covered my whole ceiling. I knew about the great Anansi, but I did not want to see her for real or him. What was him or her doing here? And what message did she bring or he bring? I don't know. Sometimes they say it's man. Sometimes they say it's a woman. I don't know. I try not to kill spiders, but there are stories that it could be a Nazi bringing you a blessing. And if you kill her, you might lose your gifts. But I didn't think it was real. For I woke up with a giant spider resting on my back. I tried to turn over but could not move. Then I heard a voice ask me to get ready and I felt fangs bite into the back of my neck. But I thought it was a dream. So maybe he really did see the spider resting on my ceiling. I wanted to ask him about what had happened in the kitchen. Had he astro projected? I had read in a book that you could do that. Maybe one day he would show me if that had been the case. But Freedom just kept talking about water spirits and how he was this god of the water and how they were more potent than any other spirit. I just listened intensely to every word, trying to make sense out of what he was saying because I knew that it was just his trip from the mushrooms that had him doing all of this damn talking. Finally, Freedom collapsed on the floor. I went and got a blanket to cover him. It would be a while before he woke up. I dozed off watching him sleeping soundly. Freedom looked so peaceful. But I did notice that his eyes twitched a lot. I wonder what he was dreaming about. Even though I wanted to have sex with him, I was glad that we didn't do it. 
there was just something about him that I wanted to see first. Besides, he caused a tingling in my neck prior to this, and that only happened when I was upset. My phone rang and rung, and I answered it. Peace, is freedom with you? It was Yimmy. Yeah, he's sleeping. Oh my God, I was so worried about him. I am glad that I saved your number on my phone. I'm glad he's okay. No problem. I knew that you would use it one day. <laughs> one day, but not for this. You know, Freedom likes you. He's a good dude. Yeah, I know, but I will chat with my spirit guys to find out myself. <laughs> Yimmy laughed. I did not think that what I said was funny. I liked her energy. She was different from the other sisters that Frank with the club, and she always wore African clothes. You know, one of the girls that was standing outside said that Stacy was faking, and she had asked him to be outside so she could set you up, Yimmy said after she stopped laughing. I know, but girl, I'm glad that it happened. I need to really stay away from that club. It ain't nothing but bad energy there. But who was the lady with the snake? The late the girl said the lady said that uh there was a woman out there with a big black snake around her neck. You know the way she described her reminds me of Mommy Water. You know that Mommy Water statue? You know about Mommy Water? I was not surprised because of how she carried herself. Yes, where we come from, Mommy Water is worshipped heavily. Where do you come from? I thought she was from Raleigh. My family and I moved from New York years ago. Oh, okay. So up there, you all worship her? It's not that we worship her. We work with her. I, You know what? I think I've said too much. Freedom began stirring, but he didn't wake up. Oh, I didn't know that. I heard the name and had seen a statue of her and decided to write a poem about her. That was not true. I wrote a poem about what I had seen in my bathroom, which turned out to be about her. So I hope that Yimmy didn't realize that I was lying. Hmm, that's interesting. The way she said that made me think that she knew why she showed herself to me. It was like she knew that I had lied. Freedom stirred. Girl, Freedom trying to wake up. He keeps moving around. Yimmy was silent. I was sensing that she was beginning to get nervous. And why? Why was I sensing her nervousness? I hope that it was nothing that I had said. We were only talking about mommy water. Okay, well, tell Freedom to call me when he wakes up. Okay, I will. I hung up the phone. Yimmy had puzzled me. Towards the end, the conversation just seemed a little off. Chapter 15. Faith's mother was sitting on the house's black back porch smoking her Salem cigarette and drinking a cup of black coffee. She could not believe that Faith was a witch. She had tried to raise her daughter in the church with all her might and here she was doing witchcraft. Faith was just so hard-headed. 
She had gotten pregnant with Faith when she was 16 and had had her when she had turned 17. The social worker at the hospital had listed her father as unknown on her birth certificate. Ruth had been happy about that. She needed Faith's father to stay unknown. Her mother had kicked her out of the house and Ruth had to go live with her aunt. She learned from her aunt that she had to do whatever it took to take care of herself and her baby to survive. At first, she was very skeptical about using men for money, but her aunt told her that nothing in life was free and to continue living with her she needed to pay rent and the only way to do that was to make men pay for it she began to manipulate men by seducing them and in return they gave her whatever she wanted hell she had a daughter to take care of and raise ruth loved faith she loved her daughter but she was just not ready to be a mom her aunt had taught her well until the day she died and left for that house Ruth knew how to play the game, so she did, and she was content until her friend Judy had asked her to go to church. Now, at first, Ruth kept telling her, nah, I ain't going, I don't want to go, but Ruth was not interested in going to church. How could she sit up in church knowing that she was out here prostituting and selling her ass? God didn't like ugly, and she did not want to be a hypocrite in the house of the Lord, but Judy was so persistent. She finally agreed to go with her to church, and that day changed her life. She sat on the edge of her seat listening to the preacher talk about fornication. The preacher would look at her a few times, and she just knew that he was speaking to her. Once he began speaking against sex as a sin when you are not married, and the feeling that she had felt was worse than being molested as a child. It was worse than her enjoying those acts as she became older, and it continued for a few more years into adulthood. As soon as the preacher would make the altar call for all sinners to come and accept Jesus into their lives, Ruth had to be the first one to make it to the pulpit, and she joined the church. She had stood before the mighty God, crying and asking God and Jesus to save her soul and forgive her for all her sins. But when Ruth got home with faith, she would look at her daughter with disgust. Faith was a reminder of her past. She began to hate her daughter. She looked so much like her father, and it was hard for her to show faith what little love she did have for her. Ruth would constantly lie to her daughter about her father. She would only tell her how mean he was and that he was a pimp. Ruth told Faith that he had run off and left them. And finally, she said to Faith that her father had died in Chicago. And every time Faith would bring the matter up with her, she would change the subject. No wonder that child had a demon inside of her. She had been born cursed while trying to survive in the womb. Ruth had done all that she could to have a natural abortion, but Faith still came to be a pain in her ass. At first, she loved her daughter, her beautiful baby girl. But as her daughter began to grow, she began to resent her because she began to look more like her father. Ruth wanted to be able to have to stop abusing her, but it never ended. But then one day while she was yelling at her for not washing the dishes, Faith fell out on the floor. She was shaking and convulsing like she was having a seizure. And when she crept closer to see if she was all right, Faith stood straight up in the air and began attacking her. Ruth did not recognize Faith, but whatever was inside her daughter was calling her every name in the book except the child of God. Ruth would back off, but she did not stop abusing Faith. It did not matter how much she went to church. Jesus was not saving her soul, and the abuse continued. Ruth placed a cigarette to her mouth and inhaled. She exhaled a cancerous aroma, and the smoke formed a perfect circle in the air. It looked like an invisible halo. 
She laughed when she saw the ring of smoke. And Angel, right, she was not. And as she sipped on her black coffee, she heard a loud knock at her front door. She got up from the back porch and walked through the house to answer the door. It was Stacy. What in the hell did she want? My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to thank you for listening to my podcast, The Destruction of Faith. Ruth, she's something else, ain't she? <laughs> Peace.